Thank you for checking out the City Church Podcast today. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know you are loved. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you this morning. It's always good to worship the Lord, especially to worship the Lord with you. Pastor Brent is on vacation, and he has invited Reverend Mora Jugenti to come and minister to us this morning. But I know many of you have never met Reverend Jugenti before, and so I want to give you a little background before he comes to minister to us. After graduating from the University of Toronto and Bible College, he married Connie, which is the best thing that ever happened to him other than Jesus. Connie, why don't you stand up and say hello. And in 1987, they started a church in Toronto. And in 1994, the Lord began to deal with him and Connie about moving to Italy and starting a ministry there. And so in 1994, he left, he put a pastor in charge of the church. That church is still running today. And they left for Italy. Today, they have started three Bible schools in Italy, one in Greece, and they have started five churches. Presently, they're planning to start another church and another Bible college. There are 65 ministers that belong to their ministerial association, which he helps and ministers to and teaches and provides material for. They have translated 55 books into Italian. Uh, They have a prison ministry and they work with four orphanages in Italy. Brother Morrow has been ministering to us as a church uh, for 24 years. We like to have him come back every year and minister. Uh, We've had the opportunity as a church to help them and support them along with other churches for the past 24 years. And so it gives me great pleasure, really does, to uh, introduce him to you and to invite him to the pulpit to minister to you this morning. Give him a great city welcome as he comes. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Buongiorno. State bene? You potete sedere. Now, let's, the, the most important thing right now, this morning, okay, let's get down to business, is that no matter what happens today, you have to believe with me this morning that France will lose. France must lose. (laughs) This is not going well this morning already. We're starting off on the wrong foot here. There's a reason for this. And it's because Italy didn't even qualify. 
You understand? I'm Italian. And no good Italian ever wants France to win. We can, you know, it's just like for a Canadian to want the U.S. to win in hockey or something. That, that just doesn't happen. That's how serious this is. So Brazil got kicked out, and that's good. Germany got kicked out, and that's good. Uh, France should have been gone home already. But well, I'm, I'm believing God for Croatia to take care of that this morning. Anybody rooting for Croatia this morning? I don't okay. All right, so since I lost those who are rooting for France, and my offering is going to be cut in half, those of you... Yeah. Those of you who are for Croatia have to give double this morning, okay? Just so that we can break even. Excuse me, I'm going to take care of this, otherwise it's going to distract me. All right, we ready? Do we have, we have the Bible, we have the Word. Uh, let's go to Acts chapter 27. It's a joy to be here this morning. You know that Brazil has won the most World Cups so far. Germany has won three, Italy has won three, and France. That's why Brazil and Germany had to go home, because Italy has won three. If they win too many, then we can't catch up anymore. There's a logic to what I'm saying. All right. But let's get down to the important things now. Acts 27. So, we're going to read a passage, and this is the passage where Paul was shipwrecked. So the context here is Paul is going to Rome. And he's going to Rome because it's God's will for him to go to Rome. And this is so important for the context and for the setup to understand that the Apostle Paul is not out of the will of God here. He is in the will of God. Because God told them to go to Rome. And so, and on the way to Rome, uh, the ship that he's traveling on uh, sinks. There's a shipwreck on the way to Rome. Now, have you ever been in the will of God and then something happens that causes a detour? Let me see. Anybody? Well, a few people are honest at least. All right. So, we're going to read the text, and hold on on the scriptures there, okay? Let me go through the text first, and then we'll start the PowerPoint. But I want to read the whole text. So, it's a long chapter, so we're just going to pick it up uh, towards the end of, of, of chapter 27. And I'd like you, if you have your Bibles, to follow me along. And uh, even though it's, it's brutal right in the middle, I, I assure you that we're not going to take anything out of context. We're going to do okay with that, all right? Dr. Coulter's here, and he's going to check up on my exegesis, on, my, on, my, on, on, my ex, on, the, on the way that I expound and on the context. But this is the, uh, the, the, uh, the height of the storm right here. In verse 39, we're going to pick it up right there. When morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline. They did not recognize the coastline. But they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get to shore by running the ship aground. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Okay? So they're close to shore. This, this, this is important here. The shipwreck happens close to shore. You don't want to drown close to shore. 
it would be sad to drown close to shore. Because usually when, when, when all hell breaks loose, it's because the enemy has thrown everything that he can at us. And he knows that we're close to shore. See, but they couldn't really see the shore clearly because in a storm, the truth is that we can't see too clearly. But, but I'm getting ahead of myself here. So let's read the text. So verse 40 says, they cut out, they cut off anchors, let them in the sea. <clears throat> then they lowered the rudders, raised the foresail and headed toward shore. But they hit a shoal, a shoal and ran the ship aground too soon. And the bow of the ship stuck fast, while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. Verse 42, and the soldiers, who were really, really nice, wanted to kill the prisoners. The really, really nice is my thought. It's not in there. My reflection. They were really, really pleasant human beings and they wanted to kill the soldier, the prisoners to make sure that they didn't swim ashore and escape. Verse 43, but the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul. Oh, glory. Isn't that good? You know, God always has someone there to help you out. He always has a commanding officer or a Roman centurion or somebody there ready to help you out because God always has the way of escape. So verse 43 says the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul so he didn't let them carry out their plan and then he ordered all, all who could swim to jump overboard first to make for land. And the others held on to planks or debris. Planks or debris from the broken ship. And everyone escaped safely to shore. They held on to planks. They, hang on, they, they held on to debris. But they did it. They all escaped safely to shore. Is that good news? God wants us all to escape safely to shore. God doesn't want us drowning near the shore. He wants us to make it safely to whatever destination he has called us to. You believe that? Father, thank you this morning for these wonderful people, these wonderful, this wonderful congregation, Lord. Thank you for these few minutes that we have together. Enlighten us, Lord. Teach us from your word. Uh, help us to understand uh, the storms of life and most of all how to navigate through them and most of all how to get to shore safely. Thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit inspiring us and giving us revelation and understanding this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 So when we talk about storms, we're talking about difficulties and problems in life. And there's all kinds of storms. There can be uh, 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 personal storms, emotional storms, psychological storms, health storms, physical storms, financial storms, uh, people storms, family storms, all kinds of storms. And you know, there's some storms that are, that are visible, and then there's some storms that are like personal and private that we have on the inside of us that... Uh, uh, only we know we're going through it. Only God knows we're going through it. But other people don't even know that we're going through a storm. And, but the, the focus this morning is very, very simple. Here's my assignment this morning. Is to uh, uh, ask some questions 
about the storm, and I'd like to coach you for, for a few minutes through the right questions. Because there's one wrong question that we always ask, and we really shouldn't ask. And it seems like we're always interested in that one question. But we're going to go through the text this morning, and I'm going to ask you to uh, see if Paul, in the midst of the storm, ever asked that most popular question. And you're going to find that Paul never once asked the most popular question. Uh, what's the most popular question? Say it out loud. Why? 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 And please read Acts 27, and you will see, it's really interesting, not once does Paul ask why. So I'm not interested in asking why anymore. I really learned that that's the wrong question to ask. Because, so, and then, and then what's, the, what's the, the one that's also asked alongside with that? You know, you add a little... A, a, little, a little adverb after that, a little, a little preposition, right? No, a pronoun. It's a pronoun, right? Why what? Why me? Oh, God. Why me? Well, let me ask you back a question. Why not you? Thank you for your enthusiasm, right? Well, why, why not what? Are you so special that you think you're going to be untouched by the challenges of life? Why me? That's also selfish. It's kind of ugly. You know, well, somebody else is okay, but not me. <laughs> well, what's up with that? So we wish evil on others. And I know we don't really mean it like that. But, but, and I'm being, I know I'm being a little brutal, but I'm doing it on purpose. Because that's why it's wrong to ask why. And that's why it's wrong to ask why me. It's a useless question. Because if you have anywhere in your, in your theology, in your philosophy of life, any idea that you think you're going through life untouched by problems, it's wrong. See, it's a whole wrong view of life. We don't ask why, because we know that as long as we are on this planet, we're going to have challenges. Is that all right? <laughs> Am I speaking the truth so far? And you know, I, 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 I'd have to say that this is the passion of my life, you know, studying uh, 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 the, the dynamics of things that happen, you know, and what God's role in it and what my role is and what the enemy's role in it is the passion of my life. I believe that one day I will write a book. I just have to understand it a little bit more. But, but, but I can help you a little bit this morning with, I don't know everything, but I do have some answers. And it's not the answer to the question, why? And, and, you know, so many times when I hear sermons, no matter what position you have, you can swing from thinking that everything that happens is God's will in your life, you know? And when I think about that, then I get really dissatisfied because in the Bible, I find a lot of things that happen that are not God's will. You know, Jesus said, uh, Jerusalem, I really wanted to gather you under my wings uh, but you didn't want to. Uh, see, that's something that happened that it wasn't God's will. And, 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 you know, and Jesus went to Nazareth and he wanted to move, but he didn't want to. So that doesn't satisfy me because it's not a complete answer that everything that happens is God's will because there's all kinds of possibilities and there's lots of things that happen that are not God's will. 
And then on the other hand, I'm not happy with the, with the you know, with, the, with, with some of the preaching that is done, uh, uh, with, with, which transmits the thought that you're never going to have a problem in life and you're living under a dome. Because, for example, I see Paul was in the will of God and he still got into some difficulties. And it wasn't his fault and he was in the will of God. So I, I think that the answer is somewhere in the middle. And the reason why there's, there's these extremes and the reason why there's conflict is because when we look at this, we usually just look at some scriptures. So you can find a whole lot of scriptures, you know, that say that God is in control of everything and this and that. But then on the other hand, you can find other scriptures that are puzzling that, that, that torpedo that thought. Because, you know, God said to the children of Israel, for instance, go, go get the promised land. And they said no, and he called that the day of rebellion. Isn't that another example of something that God wanted but didn't happen? Have you ever done something that you knew by instinct, inside, right? Your conscience or your heart told you, don't do this, and then you did it anyways. How did that turn out for you? How did it turn out? You probably married that. Because <laughs> somebody wise had told you, don't, are you sure? Don't. You, you, I've done that in my life, not the Mary part. You heard Dr. Coulter who said, he said, that's the best thing that ever happened to me. I'm not talking about, thank God. But I'm talking about other things, you know, that I, I, I knew and I knew I shouldn't be doing. And then, you know, I did them anyways. And just like you, uh, usually it didn't uh, turn out right. So, so quickly we're going to go through some of these verses. I'm not going to pick and choose some verses because like I said, it's a long chapter, but just enough to get us started thinking along certain lines and hopefully move us away from the question why or why me because the question should be another one and I'm going to tell you what the, what the right question is to ask and to answer is in a moment. And so the, the, the trip starts out fine, but then in the first eight verses, uh, uh, they begin to sail and they begin to have problems. They run into difficulty. And let's pick it up at verse 9, please, if you can give me my verse. In verse 9, and over in verse 9, the sailing <laughs> becomes difficult. And so it says, when the time, uh, when much time had been spent, sailing was dangerous because the fast was over, and Paul advised them. So Paul says to them, and then in verse 10, he says to them, you know, I perceive and I sense that there's going to be some disaster here. That we're going to lose the cargo, we're going to lose the ship, and there's going to be loss of life. You can read it right there in verse 10. I have the verses flash up so that you can check up on me. You can be like the Christians at Berea. Make sure I don't make things up. <clears throat> right? So it says, I perceive that. I sense that this voyage is going to end with disaster, right? And we're going to lose cargo and ship and lives. So, does he ask why? And let's all hold hands and pray and ask, why, God, is this happening to us? No, there is no hint of why. But here's a good question to ask. Where's God? Where is God? And God is all over verse 10. Can't you see him? Do you see God in verse 10? God is saying, stop and don't go any further 
Oh, you're going to get in trouble. That's God. <laughs> He's right there. He's warning them. These are like alarm, alarm lights, you know, flashing and sirens sounding off. Because God is not the cause of the storm. God's not going to send a storm to kill Paul. But God is there to redeem. He's a redeemer. He's in it to redeem. He's in it to get us out. So the right question is not why God, why? Why? That's obvious because Paul is trying to do the will of God and the enemy is trying to stop him. And, and all of us who are trying to do the will of God, the enemy is going to, to, to try to stop us. That's a given. We don't need to ask why anymore. But what we do need to start asking is, God, where is your presence and where is the way out? So God in a storm is not in the storm. In a hurricane that blows somebody's house down, God is not causing that. But God is in the first responders that come. God is in the help that comes. God is in the prayers that the church gives. God is in the offerings that then are taken up to help people. God, God didn't cause those, uh, that soccer team in Thailand to get stuck in the cave. That's just a bad decision to go in the cave like that. But where was God? In the, in, in the divers that found them, in the Navy SEALs that found them, in all the help that the world sent. God is there. Am I doing okay? If we waste all our time wondering why and being upset about why, we're going to miss the answer to the most important question, which is where is the way out? What, where is God making the way out? And that's what we need to spend our energy and our time because that's what the Apostle Paul did. Because why <laughs> means nothing. Why is because we live in a fallen world and we're going to have challenges. And listen, the presence of a storm does not imply the absence of God. The presence of a storm does not imply the absence of God. Just because you're going through a difficulty doesn't mean that God is not there. It's just that in a storm we can't see clearly the presence of God. Does the Bible teach that God lives in the praises of his people? Does it do that? Okay, but listen, not only does God live in the praises of his people, uh, the Bible also teaches that God is... God lives in the storm to help us and get us out. He's present in difficulty too. Give me the verse, please. Look at it right here. It's right here. It says, the Lord is, next verse. The Lord is a very present, uh, 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 Isaiah, don't you have Isaiah there? The Lord, listen to this. The Lord, after verse 10, it should be uh, Isaiah, uh, Psalm 46, 1. It says that God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help in time of trouble. Do you see that? He's a very present help in time of trouble. And that means that God is present in our trouble too. God is present in our storm too. So not only is he present in our praises, but he's present in our storm. That's why it's so important during the storm to praise God. Do you remember when Paul and Silas were thrown in jail? How many of you remember that? Once again, that you know when they sang, it says that they sang at midnight. That's the darkest moment. They didn't sing the blues. Dun, da, 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 da. I left everything to follow the Lord. Dun, da, 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 da. And look where it got me. Dun, da, 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 da. 
Silas and I are chained up in prison. Dun, da, dun, dun, da. It never works out. Boom, boom. It never works out. Oh, no. He's not, they're not singing the blues. <clears throat> and they're not asking why. They're praising God because God dwells in the praise. Look at the double punch combination. It's a knockout to the enemy. He dwells in the praises, so, but he also dwells in the trouble. And what happened? They praised and God got him out of jail. Who cares why? Just get out of it. <laughs> We're doing okay? <laughs> and, then, and, then in, and then in verse 11, go on now. Just follow me along, one after the other. It says that the centurion is more persuaded by the helmsman and by the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. So there's four players here. There's Paul telling them, you know, we got to stop or we're going to get in trouble. The centurion is in charge of it all. And then he's got the owner of the ship and the pilot, the captain, the helmsman of the ship. So the captain, you know, probably says, you know, ah, man, a storm. What's a storm? You don't know how many storms I've weathered. We could go through. I can handle this storm. And, of course, the owner says, we got cargo and we got a profit to make. And so the centurion has to decide, is he going to listen to Paul that says, you know, we better stop because we're going to run into trouble, or is he going to listen to the uh, captain of the ship and the owner of the ship that are saying, now nah, let's go on, and they had their own reason. Well, let me tell you that that day, uh, recklessness and greed won. The recklessness of the pilot who thought he could take the storm, and the greed of the owner of the ship that wanted to make a profit, one over obeying God. And so the centurion is persuaded by, uh, the, uh, by, the, by the greed and the recklessness rather than he is by Paul, and they go on. Now, you know, at this point, at this point, asking why is no longer valid because we know why. And in fact, here now, we enter the phase where the storm gets really acute. And, and, it, and it's a typhoon. The words that are used are Euroclidon and typhoon and, and all these things. It, it's basically a Mediterranean hurricane. And it gets worse and worse and worse. And from this moment on, things go from, go, 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 go from what's that called? From the frying pan to the fire, right? It just gets worse. It, from bad to worse. And then we're going to skip and look at this. this. Like this happens between verse 12 and 19. Like the storm gets really, really, really intense. And then we're going to skip to verse 20, okay? And in verse 20, Paul says this. He said, after the sun or the stars had not appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us. Now, this no small, you know, Luke says no small argument arose. That means they had, they had the, a hell of a fight, <laughs> you know. And the same here, the no small is very elegant, but it means it was like the, 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 the mother of all storms. It's like the worst storm they had ever seen. And so it's a really, really bad storm. And, 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 and there's no more hope that, that we're going to be saved. And then in verse 21, Paul says, you should have listened to me. <laughs> This is the I told you so verse, right? And he said, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. So he said, I told you. 
You know, we ne- I never like it when I do something. Connie tells me not to do something, and then I do it, and then after I do it, she says, I told you. <laughs> do you like it? We, we don't like it. But he says, you know, <laughs> I told you. I, 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 to- I, to- I, I told you. And so we're discovering now that there's four forces at work. There's God, the will of God. There's the enemy opposing them. There's the will of man. And then there's nature. Because, you know, uh, uh, Satan, you can't see a demon in every storm. We don't need to do that. Uh, yeah, and sometimes storms happen because we live in a fallen world. And you see, that's, that's where, that's where a, a, a simple extreme point of view of one and another based on just a few favorite verses doesn't hold up to scrutiny because we have to somehow balance all these four forces. And I want you to know this, that only God knows how to balance these four forces. Aren't you glad he's on the throne? I don't know. I can only glimpse some elements here and there. But God knows how to balance, you know, uh, his will and the will of man and the enemy's will and the forces of nature. That's why God is God. But I do know this, that this storm happened not because God wanted it, but because man chose to get in the storm. Is that clear enough? Now you say, is that always like that? No, it's not. I'm going to show you, just say, no, it's not. Just say, no, it's not for me. Say it out loud. No, it's not. It's not always like that. But this time it is. I'm going to show you later that something happens that it wasn't God's will. It just happened. You know, when Paul got bit by the viper in Malta, there was no forewarning there. It just happened without warning. So not everything that happens, you know, we have warning and we directly disobey. But this time it's the way it happened. So don't you think that we should work on obeying the will of God for our lives? So at, there's so much trouble so that at least we can eliminate the certain percentage that happens because we get in trouble. You, you think that, that could help us improve our lives? I think it would help me, right? If, if, if I just concentrate on obeying God, there are things that, that could happen that are not going to happen simply because I choose to obey God. I'm going to emphasize again, it's not always like that, but some are. And since there's so much difficulty, any difficulty that I can spare myself, I'm going to try to do it by obeying God. Are you on board with me? Is that good? And you know, and so, because there's some people that always blame the devil. Oh, the devil did it. The devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. It's amazing to me, and I've been pastoring 36 years, there's people that only hear the devil, and you tell them, well, what's God saying? I don't know, but I know what the devil is. How come you can hear the voice of the devil and not hear the voice of God? But some, some people, the devil is not doing anything. The devil is just there with his arms crossed. You're doing everything. You're getting yourself in trouble. And he's laughing and you're doing all of it. Because you're making all the wrong decisions and wrong choices. So at least we can control that. One of the key things in life is to learn to control what we can control. And then let go of what we cannot control. But this could have been controlled. Do you, do you agree with me? Because Paul says it clearly. He says, give me the next, the next, there it is. The New Living says, you should have listened to me. And if you had listened to me, we would have avoided all of this. You know, if the children of Israel had listened to, to, to Joshua and Caleb, 
they would have avoided 40 years of wandering and dying in the desert. <coughs> We're still doing okay? Uh, so this happened, why? Because of the will of man. It's clear. The will of man. You know, one time I heard the Pope on television in Italy say, they were talking about the Holocaust. It was, it was Memorial Day. They were talking about the Holocaust and they were saying, oh, where was God in the Holocaust? You know, and people clapped, you know, and it sounds so gooey and religious and wonderful. But then there was the chief rabbi there and the chief rabbi responded and he said, you're asking the wrong question, he said. The question is not where was God in the Holocaust. The question is, where was man in the Holocaust? Where was man? Edmund, Edmund Burke. You know the quote. You may not know who said it, but Edmund Burke, he's the one that said this. In the 1700s, he was a politician and philosopher in, in England. He said, all that has to happen in order for evil to triumph is that good men do nothing. Did you hear the quote? Now you know who it is. Edmund Burke in 1729 said that. So, there, it wasn't, God didn't want the Holocaust. The problem was, where, where were Christians? Where was the church? Where was the Catholic church? Hey, where was the Protestant church? They were all quiet, afraid, making deals with, 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 with the dictators. The church today, we have to make sure that we start to speak up when we need to speak up. We can't let evil win. We don't have to be angry about it. We don't have to be mean about it. But we cannot just stay quiet and let evil win and triumph. Because it leaves a vacuum. Isn't that right? So in verse 22, that says this. Take heart. There will be no loss of life. Everybody say no loss of life. Right? But only of the ship. I can ask you again. They missed it. They blew it. They disobeyed God. Right? But we don't ask why. Look at your neighbor and say, don't ask why. You don't ask why. But where's God here? He's right here encouraging. Now, is it good news to us that even when we miss it and blow it, God still doesn't let us die. He's still there. That's called mercy, by the way. It's called grace. Thank God for his grace. Do you see, God, I'm trying to show you where God is. Instead of being busy asking, why me, why me, why me? And I hope you understand why. Because you're on this planet. And as long as we're in a fallen world that is ruled by Satan, because the Apostle Paul calls God the ruler of this world, uh, there's going to be, all combinations are, are possible. This, this is the thing about it is, I can be in the will of God and things go well. I can be out of the will of God and things go bad. I can be out of the will of God and things go great. You know any sinners that don't care about God and everything is fine in their life? David deals with that. That one really bothered David. Why do the unrighteous problem? Why do the ungodly problem? And then what's the last combination that I left out? And you know, we can be out of the will of God and things go bad. Oh, that's what makes this difficult. I'm going to say it again. That's why I thank God that he's on the throne and not me because I can't figure all these details out. <clears throat> do you see that? But my job is to find where God is and where the way out is. 
Amen? Concentrate on that. Use your energy on that because you have a promise from God that I'm going to show you in a moment that no matter what problem you go through, he's there to get you out. That's all I'm interested in. The why is God's deal. He's on the throne, not me. But he did promise that he always makes the way out. We'll see that in a moment. <clears throat> Amen? And so, in verse 23, we go on quickly now. We got, we, got to, we got to speed it up, okay? Keep on going. Next, Give me the next slide. So he says, Paul says, an angel stood by me, right? Of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. And I could talk long about that. It's important that you're able to say that you belong to God. But it's important to be able to say, I serve him. I'm in his will. I'm in his plan. That's what's going to give you boldness and assurance that you can find the way out. Because, listen, are you bothered by the fact, uh, uh, how many of you read the are familiar with the book of Jonah, right? You know, Jonah ended off in the, he had a shipwreck too, and he ended off in the, in the, in the, in the, in the belly of the fish. Now, does it bother you that Jonah, Jonah's ship sank? Doesn't bother me. You know why? Because God said, go to Nineveh. And where did Jonah go? To Tarshish. Doesn't bother me. Anytime God says to do something and I do something else, hey, I'm on my own. <laughs> We're doing okay? That'd be like saying, this. see, Nineveh and Tarshish would be like saying, we're in Toronto, right? And God says, go to Vancouver and you go to Newfoundland. Well, then you're going in the opposite direction. Then, you know, if you get in a storm, you get in trouble. That's, but, so that doesn't bother me. Judas hung himself. That doesn't bother me either. Let Judas hang himself. I couldn't care less. But we're not talking about Judas. We're talking about the Apostle Paul. And we're not talking about Jonah. We're talking about Paul obeying God. See, that's what bothers us is how can one obey God and then get in a storm? But I hope that with the first part of the teaching, I already kind of dealt with that because all combinations are possible. And, and you know, when, <coughs> when, when, when uh, uh, God, uh, when, he, when he promised the blessings, he also promised the trouble. We don't like to claim the trouble, but that's just the way it is, as long as we live on this planet. But here is God again, saying, through Paul, God is present in Paul, and he's saying, you know what, don't worry, because I belong to God, I serve God. And then verse 24 says this, that uh, uh, don't be afraid, uh, and God has granted you those who sail with you. So the, 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 the God's grace, because of Paul, Save them all. Now, if you are reading carefully with me, did you remember originally Paul said, we're going to lose cargo, ship, and lives? How many of you remember that? Okay, listen. Now it's changed. He says, no, it's just going to be the cargo and the ship, but not the lives. Now, is that a mistake? You know, people who think that the, that, that the Bible is not inspired, they, they say, see, that's wrong. That's a mistake. That's not a mistake. In God, things are fluid. It's an illustration of what I'm saying, that there are some things that happen, but if we do something, we can prevent them from happening. We're not robots. And God is not a, a master puppeteer. Things changed because Paul prayed and Paul believed. When people pray 
and people believe things change. Did you hear me? When people pray, we need to pray for Canada. There's, you know, thank God things are beginning to change. But, and when we pray, it's not a useless exercise. We pray because when we pray and we believe, things change. So it's not a mistake. Originally, now you see, it's, it's in verse 25. Here it is. Let, let me just read what Paul says. Take heart, for I believe God. Paul said, I believe God. Everybody say, I believe God. See, it takes someone to pray and to believe God. <clears throat> Do you believe that Canada will be saved? Do you believe that you and your household will be saved? Do you believe that you can overcome? Just because God said it, that's not enough. Someone has to pray and someone has to believe. God sent the prophet Isaiah in the book of Kings, 2 Kings 20, to King Hezekiah. He said to him, get your house in order, you're going to die. Do you remember that passage? And then Isaiah takes off and Hezekiah turns his face to the wall and prays. By the time Isaiah gets out in the, in, the, in the courtyard, God sends him back. And the prophet Isaiah said to Hezekiah, you know what? Because you did this and you prayed and you turned your face to the wall, he's going to add 15 years to your life. That's really difficult for Calvinists. Calvinists are the ones that believe. Here's how they get around it, you know. They get around it. Yeah, but that was originally what God had intended anyways. I can't serve a God like that. That's too contorted. That's deception. And it goes against what Jesus said. Because Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And anything else is from the wicked one. And if we start to contort things like that, you can't have a relationship with God. Because you never know what he says. And you never know if he means what he says. And thank God he's not like that. Now, men are that contorted, but not God. Amen? That's a great example of how prayer and believing can change things. So if you're going through something, if you find something that God has promised, if you will pray and you believe, you can change it. <clears throat> Amen? So do you see God? Where's God? It's right there. God is in Paul. God, God, God. Paul is the one that's praying and believing and turning everything around. Amen? Are you with me? Because God doesn't promise the obvious. You can't promise the obvious. I need to explain that. Like, I can't promise to you I am white because I am white. I can't promise to you I'm Italian because I am Italian. Gene, come here. This is a, this is a friend of mine, a buddy. I've known him for like 35 years. He's my friend. He's, he can't promise to me I will be a Filipino because he is. You remember when we crossed the border, right? <laughs> he, he accompanied me once to the States to cross the border. They stopped us. He was driving. I'm sitting there. And the, the, this was not the Canadian border. This was the U.S. border guard. He says, how come you two are friends? I looked at him and I said... What, I can't be friends with him? What, what, you know, such, I, forget it. It's, let's not even go there. But, but, but yeah, we're friends. But, so did that clarify? We only promise something when it's not obvious. So God promised, I will be with you in the storm. Is it, do you have the next, the next slide? It should be Isaiah. There it is. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, God promised. Why? Because when you're passing through the waters, it doesn't feel like God is with you. It's not obvious that he's with you. 
Am I making sense? And then he says, you know, when you go through the rivers, you're not, they're not going to overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Because in the storm, the presence of God is not always obvious. It's difficult to see. Do you remember when another storm arose, the disciples were on the ship and Jesus was with them on the boat, do you remember? And then another time, you know, Jesus was walking on the water. There's a couple of times that there were storms. And when he was walking on the water, they didn't recognize him. So we have to hang on to the promises of God, even though I'm going through something difficult and it doesn't feel like God is there with me. He promised he is, and so I believe he is. Amen? Let's go through the next slides really fast, okay? So he says, next one. And then he says, verse 10, he says, I believe, we, you believe that God delivered us in the past, and uh, he delivers us now, and we trust that he will still deliver us. Do you believe that? Do you have to believe that? God delivered you in the past. God rescued you in the past. He's going to rescue you now, and he's going to continue to rescue you in the future. Do you believe that? But somebody has to believe that. And when Paul said it, it's because it's not always obvious, because sometimes it looks like God is not there, and it looks like things are not going to work out. And then he says this in another place, and keep on going, the next slide. He said, but God always leads us in triumph, and he diffuses the fragrance of the fragrance. Everybody say fragrance. Fragrance is perfume. Did you put on this morning Chanel of victory? You need to put on some eau de triomphe. Some eau de, you know, the eau de toilette, the cologne. The cologne of triumph. Because we shouldn't smell of negativity, of defeat. Right? We should smell of victory. Paul smelled of victory. There's nothing negative in Paul. You see the balance? He didn't deny that he had problems. But he didn't get discouraged in them. He said, you know what? God delivered me in the past. He's delivered me now and he'll rescue me in the future. And I'll go around with the smell of victory. that good and then you know the storm I have to stop because my time is up but the storm and the shipwrecks give me the next verse really quickly and we'll conclude and then they ran the ship aground the prow is stuck and it remained immovable and the stern is broken up so the scene is the front of the ship is stuck and the back is going back and forth and is breaking one piece at a time listen it's falling apart Paul was trusting in the ship to get to God's will in Rome. And what he trusted in fell apart. What do you do when what you trust in falls apart? And just because the ship falls apart, does that mean that you have to fall apart? Absolutely not. Let the ship fall apart. You don't have to fall apart. There's a difference between the ship falling apart and you falling apart. Paul didn't fall apart. And God always makes the way out. I'm going to read you one more verse and then we're done. Maybe two. Go on. 
No, next one. Next slide. Next slide. Next slide. Some on boards. Back up. Some on boards and some on parts of the ship. If what you trust in falls apart and changes form, changes shape, grab on to whatever God sends you and make it safely to shore. Things don't have to be perfect for us to make it to shore. Maybe the man you married or the woman that married is not exactly what you thought. It might not be perfect, but you know what? Grab on to anything and make it work in the grace of God. Because the, see, you can ask, you know, the ship is falling apart and you're there. You know, if you, if you are busy asking why, you're going to drown. Why, Lord? Why? Why? Just shut up with the why. Grab a board and kick as hard as you can. Now, this is my brutal paraphrase of the elegant James that says, Submit to God and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That means this. God will send a board, but the grabbing is up to you and I and the kicking is up to you and I. Grab onto whatever and make it to shore. Because, and this is, I'm concluding now in 1 Corinthians 10, right? That says, no temptation or no trouble or no problem can ever overtake us such as is common to man, but God is faithful and he will always make the way out. See, that's what we hang on to. God, I don't know why this happened. I don't even care why it happened. But I know you make the way out. And I'm not asking why anymore. I'm asking where's the way out? Where's the way out? If a fire were to break out, right? Those who like theory and theology and try to figure out why you will die in the fire. Forget that. When there's a fire, what are you interested in? The exit. Get out. Get out. Because God wakes a way out. This is the last verse, Psalm 34. Psalm 34. Should be right after this. It says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But, how does it finish? The Lord delivers him out of them all. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Did you get something out of it this morning? Glory. Father, I thank you this morning. I pray first of all, Father, we want to be sensitive to anyone here who's going through difficulties or storms or problems. Whether they're visible or not visible. Whether they're interior or exterior. Holy Spirit, please, please use the word that we read this morning to impress in the hearts of everyone here that it's not the why or the why me that we need to ask, but it's where's the way out. I, I trust you. I believe you. I belong to you and I serve you. And I know that in, with every problem, you make the way out. And whether it's a board or whether it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little lifeboat or whether it's a piece of a tree, it doesn't matter. Whether it's uh, through, through, through a miracle or through medicine or a combination of both, Father, thank you for healing people. Thank you for setting people free. 
Thank you for ministering to them, Father. And help us to find the way out. Help every person find the way out this way. Thank you for your support. If you want to connect with us, you can find us online at thecitychurch.ca.